Hello and welcome to the Flying Frisbee podcast with me, Dominic Frisbee. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you for subscribing to the Flying Frisbee. And today's piece is called Developments in the Murky World of Geopolitics. Where is this all going? And there have been some interesting developments in the murky world of geopolitics to report on this week as the currency wars heat up. Writing on her substack, US economist Pippa Malgram, who was special assistant to US President George Bush for economic policy and a former member of the president's working group on financial markets, argues that World War III has already started. We are in, she says, a hot war in cold places, space, cyberspace, underwater, and high places, including the Arctic and the Himalayas, and in proxy conflicts in places the media gives a cold shoulder to, like Africa, not to mention the Pacific. A cold war in hot places then, as well as this hot war in cold places. And we're also, of course, in a very hot currency war. And this week, with the aim of limiting Russia's ability to finance its war in Ukraine, the G7 nations, the European Union and Australia set a price cap of $60 a barrel on Russian crude oil. And this follows the EU's embargo on Russian crude imports by sea, with similar pledges from the United States, the UK, Canada and Japan. And as you would expect, Russia said it will not abide by such price caps, even if it has to cut production. Park that. Meanwhile, the world's largest oil importer, China, seems to be slowly opening back up. Cities are easing COVID-19 related restrictions in the wake of recent protests. And it seems the country is set to further relax curbs as soon as today. And I think it's fair to say that if China had not locked down, its oil demand would have been a lot higher. Uh, In fact, global oil demand uh, would have been a lot higher. And so the oil price would have gone a lot higher. Same goes for metals, uh, in fact, most other commodities. And then we have another part of the puzzle. Russia's president, Vladimir Putin, did his best Bitcoin maximalist impression last week as he called for an international, independent, blockchain-based settlement network. Spoiler alert, it already exists. It's called Bitcoin. The technology of digital currencies and blockchains can be used to create a new system of international settlements, he said, that will be much more convenient, absolutely safe for its users, and most importantly, will not depend on banks or interference by third countries. It sounds like he's quoting Satoshi Nakamoto. I'm confident that something like this will certainly be created and will develop because nobody likes the dictate of monopolists, which is harming all parties, including the monopolists themselves. Uh, I've put a link in the article to bitcoin.org, Vladimir, in case you've self-googled and are now reading this. (laughs) Excuse me. So where is all this going? I've got a few ideas, and so does Credit Suisse's answer to Led Zeppelin, analyst Zoltan Posar. Um, Now, just one moment. Um, I've just clicked on the wrong place the oil market is tight he says 
the oil price is lower than it might otherwise be, not just because of China lockdowns, but because of the US release of its strategic reserves, the SPR, as well as from OECD countries. But Saudi Arabia is now low on spare capacity and the SPR is finite. You can't print oil after all. But Saudi Arabia, uh, but um, recent releases have brought reserves down to levels we haven't been at since the 1980s, Posar continues. The 400 million barrels left in the SPR isn't much. It could help police prices for a year if we released 1 million barrels per day, for half a year if we released 2 million barrels per day, and about four months if we released 3 million barrels per day. So short of a sudden new surge in supply, where's that going to come from, or a sudden reduction in demand, it would seem then that the oil price is going higher. Russian crude already sells at a $30 discount relative to Brent, which currently sits at $83, he observes, with China and India the main buyers. In the case of India, he says, it is widely understood that Indian refiners are turning some of the imported oil into diesel for re-export. Buying Russian crude at $60 a barrel and selling diesel for $140 a barrel makes for a nice crack sped, the petroleum market's equivalent of 100 basis points of spread in the land of OIS, OIS, cross-currency basis. India and China thus serve as matched book commodity traders instead of Glencore or Trafigura, the former dealing in oil and the latter in LNG, keeping commodities in circulation. But Russia may be happy to sell to India or China at that discount. He won't, however, cap prices to sell to Europe on point of principle. Meanwhile, the US needs to replenish the SPR, especially if it wants to control domestic oil prices. Gone are the days when the US Deputy National Security Advisor warned India and other countries of sanctions if they brought Russian crude oil. The change in tune could be one backdoor mechanism to refill the SPR, and given the $30 discount to Brent that India is paying for Russian oil, this would be below President Biden's $75 target. But if Russian oil is exported for the purpose of replenishing the US SPR, Putin's not going to like that either. So what to do then? Only accept payments in gold, he says, not dollars or rupees. Does that sound a bit fantastic? No, it is not, says Posar. Look at the tit-for-tat measures so far. You invade Ukraine, I freeze your FX reserves. You freeze my FX reserves, I make you pay for gas in rubles. The West boycotts my euros, I'll ship it east. The West caps the price of euros, let them, but I'll make them pay in gold. And if some countries re-export euros to the West, I'll make them pay in gold too. Anticipating geopolitics from my desk in south-east London is probably not wise. The pub is a better location for such pontification. But we have long since argued that the refinancialization of gold is the most powerful weapon there is in the currency wars and the Eurasian move towards de-dollarisation. The problem with gold is settlement. You can't send it over the internet. You have to use banks or gold dealers. If only there was a form of money that you could transfer from A to B across the net that eliminated the need for trusted third parties. Oh, there is. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you enjoy this podcast. And if you're looking to buy physical gold coins or bars, let me recommend the Pure Gold Company. There's a link in the article with whom I have an affiliation deal. You can take delivery or store it safely, allocated to you in vaults in safe jurisdictions. Thank you very much. Goodbye.